Speaking of the upper room where Jesus would celebrate the Passover, the Last Supper with His disciples, Luke wrote these words, Luke twenty-two thirteen, And they went and found as He had said, and they made ready the Passover. When the hour was come, He sat down with the twelve apostles with Him. And He said unto them, With desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you that I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Let's skip down to verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament, the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Jesus in verse 15 said, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want to speak to you today on the subject, the bucket list. You may be seated. If you have a bucket list, would you just raise your hand? You have a bucket list. Raise your hand. We have a few people who have bucket lists. If you would be honest enough to say you have no idea what a bucket list even is, would you raise your hand? There's just a few people who have their hands up. Well, maybe you're not sure what a bucket list is or you don't have one and you wonder where the expression came from. You know, I grew up hearing my grandfather say when somebody might have passed away in an offhand way he'd say they they kicked the bucket. They passed away, they died. And so a bucket list is a list of things that you want to do in your life before you kick the bucket. That's what a bucket list is. Most bucket lists that I've read are just kind of fun or adventurous things that people desire to do before they kick the bucket. I've read some strange ones like, you know, before I die, I want to bathe an elephant. Whatever. I want to run with the bulls in Spain. You may kick the bucket if you do that. I want to cage dive with the great white sharks in Australia. You really might kick the bucket. I want to walk on hot coals. I want to go to the largest food fight in the world in La Tomatina, Spain and throw tomatoes at one another. I read a really weird one. Make vanilla pudding, put it in a mayonnaise jar and go eat it in a public place and watch everyone's expression. You're already planning. I see some devious minds out there at work right now. Well, several hundred thousand people had it on their bucket list last night to watch the apple drop in Times Square at New York and welcome in the new year in Times Square. And then maybe on your bucket list was to attend a Sunday service at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church before I kicked a bucket. (laughs) 
What a great way to start the year. And most bucket lists are kind of things like that, you know, like skydiving and Rocky Mountain climbing and riding a bull named Fu Manchu. But, but bucket lists really should include things like, you know, loving deeper and talking sweeter and giving forgiveness that you've been denying. And I hope that you're starting 2017 and at the top of your bucket list is making sure that before you kick the bucket, and you don't know when that is, that you are in a right relationship with God. I want to be pretty practical today, but if you need help building a bucket list, there's so much information online. I read one lady, she has a thousand items on her bucket list. There's another source that has 10,000 ideas for your bucket list. And if you do a Google search like I did, you'll come up with over 47 million hits for bucket list, that phrase bucket list, 47 million. So please don't spend all of 2017 plundering the internet and the 47 million. One person said if you want to make a good bucket list, you should start by writing your own eulogy. Imagine that it was your funeral and you were able to write what you want to be said of you when that moment comes and you have kicked the bucket. Maybe you would organize it into some categories of various things you think. You might want to ask yourself some questions about what matters most in life. What kind of a legacy would I like to leave to those who I love? What memories do I want to make with my family and friends? On the fun side, or it could be the spiritual side, what do I want to experience in life before I kick the bucket? Where would I like to go? One person said you should ask this question. If I was on my deathbed, what regrets would I have? What would I say I wish I had done before I was here on my deathbed about to kick the bucket? What do you want to learn? What degrees, what courses should you be taking? What skills would you like to acquire? What books do you need to read in 2017? I thought through some Bible characters and they expressed it not with the phrase bucket list, but with the word desire usually or longing. David desired a drink from the well at Bethlehem. He said he desired to build a house for the Lord, which got moved from his bucket list to his son Solomon's bucket list. David summed up his bucket list by saying, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Simeon in the New Testament said, I want to see the Messiah before I draw my last breath. And he did. The Apostle Paul had a bucket list. He told Timothy, I really desire to see you. Paul said, I want to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost 
And Paul said, I must see Rome. That was on Paul's bucket list. Well, thinking about various categories of bucket list, and when you make New Year's resolutions, and here we are, January 1, it's not too late. You have an afternoon, and some of you may be back to school or work tomorrow. But if you're thinking about resolutions and setting goals, as you look into 2017, I hope at least you're thinking about how you could be a better person. And if you're not thinking that way, maybe your brain has already kicked the bucket. You need to have a little brain revival and think about how you can improve in 2017. Maybe you've uh, become a little cynical because of all the resolutions you've made in the past and you didn't keep them. Today when you receive a messenger as you leave, you'll hear about a space of grace. We really have a window of opportunity right now to make lists and to make resolutions and to create a bucket list of how we would like to be better. Maybe your list has three things on it or five or ten. Maybe yours has a thousand. But you should start with those things that are most important and decide how you want to be a better person in 2017. I like to think about my life as Jesus' life was described In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, as it described the growth of Jesus, the Bible said, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus increased as a human being. He was fully God, fully man. As a human being, he grew. He increased. He got better. And in the four areas of his growth, wisdom stature, favor with God and man. Maybe your bucket list could be broken down in, first of all, the area of wisdom. How can I have intellectual, emotional growth? Wisdom has been described as the right application of knowledge in moral and spiritual situations. If you experience personal growth, it's very likely that you will automatically see professional growth because you will be a better person for everyone around you including your company, your employer or employees. Jesus increased in stature. He grew from infancy through childhood to adolescence and adulthood. I don't think Jesus joined a gym every January. But we have enough information about what the Bible says about our bodies Being the temple of the Holy Ghost, Jesus lived a rigorous life of walking and long days. He must have been in good enough physical condition to endure the rigors of ministry. We have the treasure of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said, in earthen vessels. So we should take care of our bodies because they are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Jesus increased in stature. He increased in favor with God. He was known to get up early in the morning to pray. He went on extended fasts. As a Jewish child, he learned the scripture and he quoted the Bible back to the devil in a moment of temptation. So your favor with God, dimension of life, should include prayer. 
and Bible study and worship and listening to the Word of God, connecting to this local church in a way that would make you a better person in favor with God. And Jesus also increased in His favor with man. Personal relationships matter to Him. At the age of 12, He went back home and submitted Himself to His earthly father or stepfather and His mother, Mary. He understood submission in the role of personal relationships. For a young man entering adolescence, I'm sure that was quite a challenge to him when he knew so much at a very early age. Jesus was a typical Jew in that he obeyed every righteous ordinance. He obeyed the law to every crossing of the T and dotting of the I. That's how Jesus lived his life. He obeyed the Ten Commandments that are summarized that we would love God with all of our being and we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus grew in his relationships with other people. Wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. What about a sheet of paper or a Word document that has four categories and beneath those four areas of your life how you intend to grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and in favor with man. Jesus only lived a little over 33 years. And yet in those years, He literally changed the world forever. That's an amazing thing. I am intrigued that on the night before He was crucified on the night in which he was betrayed, he expressed something that was on his bucket list. Luke twenty-two, fifteen. I chose to keep it in the King James and with desire. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He's being a little bit redundant. With desire... I have desired. Other translations would say, I have earnestly desired. I have desired with great anticipation, eagerly desiring this moment. The annual Passover meal, this feast had been celebrated by the Jews since their deliverance from Egypt. Every year, year after year, the Jewish people commemorated their deliverance from Egyptian slavery with the Passover supper. The death angel passed over those houses that had the blood applied to them. And so every year a lamb would die for a family or a shared lamb and a Jewish family would eat that lamb in haste and they would celebrate that day when God delivered them from their earthly bondage. Jesus is looking forward to this meal with the men with whom he has shared life for the last three and a half years. He has emptied himself into them and training them to leave behind. In his future, the stark silhouette of the cross is looming on the horizon. In a few hours, Judas will betray him with a kiss. This would be the very last meal that Jesus would eat with them before his death. But I believe the significance of this meal 
that Jesus looked forward to with so much desire is what this meal would mean. For this Passover would be the Passover that every Passover from the first one had anticipated. This was the Passover where Jesus, the Paschal Lamb, would give his sin, his life for the sins of the world. John introduced him by saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Paul said, Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Jesus looked forward to this meal because this was the culmination of God's plan of every blood sacrifice that had ever been offered from the very beginning of time, even in the Garden of Eden, till this one day, Jesus said with desire, I have desired to eat this with you. But from God's point of view, this Passover would be the last Passover that would ever need to be celebrated. No more lambs, no more rams would die. No more blood would ever need to be shed. For Jesus Christ would offer himself on the cross as the final sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews spoke of what Jesus would do like this. He said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the old covenant to establish the second. The Bible said by that will, by the willing sacrifice of Jesus Christ, laying himself down on a cross by that sacrifice through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And he said in our day every priest stands ministering daily and offers sacrifices repeatedly that can never take away sins. But this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God for that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. I want to tell you today that all the blood you need is the blood that Jesus gave. The only sacrifice that could pay the price for your sins was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. On the cross. God in flesh, Jesus, looking forward to this Passover, the final Passover, when the price would be paid for the sins of the world. And the hundreds of thousands of sacrifices offered were just foretelling, looking ahead to the single sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The Passover commemorated Israel's deliverance from slavery. But this Passover would commemorate our deliverance from sin. This Passover supper would involve a meal. At the end of this meal, Jesus would institute what we call communion or the Lord's Supper or some would call the Eucharist. Our celebration is not about the blood of a defenseless lamb that is offered at the hands of a priest. Our celebration is of the Lamb of God who willingly laid down His life. So today, we are participating in the thing that was on the bucket list of Jesus Christ before He laid down His life. We commemorate the event 
that Jesus so desperately desired, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I'd like to invite our musicians and worship team back to the platform now. And in just a few moments, we're going to receive communion. I believe that just as Jesus desired to share this communion supper with his disciples, that our great God, God in flesh, Jesus Christ, God in our spirit by the Holy Ghost, wants to share the next few moments with us in a very personal way. While we are congregation, the people packed into our sanctuary today, Jesus Christ wants this to be very intimate and personal. That's why I don't take this communion supper for everyone, but each of us have this little wafer that symbolizes the broken body of Jesus Christ. And each of us has this cup, grape juice, the squeezed fruit of the vine, crushed out of the grape to symbolize the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what this communion does. Now the Apostle Paul cautioned us that we should examine ourselves, that we should not drink of this cup in a flippant or disrespectful way We should not do it unworthily or in a manner that disgraces the blood of Jesus Christ. So before we partake of communion, we should examine our hearts and we should repent of every sin so that when we take His broken body and shed blood, the symbols of that broken body and shed blood, that we would be not worthy by our deeds, but we would be receptive to receive the righteousness of God into us. Paul told the Corinthian church that because some people had had abused this and not really understood the full weight of what communion was, that many of them were weak and many of them were sick and some had died prematurely. So I believe if, if it is true that you can be flippant about the Lord's Supper and pay the price for that, that if we are reverent, and examine ourselves, and if we come with a repentant heart, that the opposite of those consequences can be the blessing of our lives, that we receive strength and healing and life. We've come to this moment now of receiving the Lord's Supper. The Bible said in Luke twenty-two nineteen, and this verse will be on the screen, that He took bread and gave thanks and break it, and gave unto them, saying... This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. If you would please pull back this first little layer here. This is kind of a challenge if you need glasses. I want you to just pull off this top portion to reveal the bread. Of course, the pastor's is not working properly. Thank you. I apologize for asking you to wait. Now, together, would you just understand that we are commemorating that the body of Jesus Christ was beaten 
was bruised. The flesh was broken to allow the shedding of blood. Would you thank God for his broken body? Let's receive this together. Now would you just pray right now and ask the Lord to help you have a reverent spirit to receive what Jesus Christ gave for us on the cross. Would you see him hanging there? The only innocent person who had ever lived and then died innocent. Sinless lamb of God. The innocent for the guilty taking my place on the cross. Then the Bible says, Luke 22, 20. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Paul would say this do in remembrance of me. Would you please take this cup now? Set that down or to the side. Would you just lift up your heart with your hands right now? And would you begin to say thank you Lord? Hallelujah.